everybody. Welcome to the Growing Up Fishes podcast, episode 196. This week we have a guest, Roger from True Aquaponics. How's it going? Hey, Roger. Going excellent, going excellent. Hey, man, things are great. Uh, the growing world is just exploding. People are so interested in aquaponics for change. Um, not for change, but... It's, it's just huge how many people are trying to get into aquaponics at this moment. Awesome. And we have the other Roger. Yeah, the other Roger. Hi, I'm Roger from ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. We're, we're having a great time rebuilding our farm this year. So, yeah, it's going to be a great year. And we got Marty. Hello, everybody. And myself, I'm Steve from Ponics. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of people interested in aquaponics. There's a lot of people that have a lot of different interesting questions, new questions. Um, a lot of people that have had questions in the past maybe haven't gotten answered. So we figured we kind of maybe do a Q&A and maybe talk about some of the stuff that other people are running into commonly that we're running into lately. Um, so uh, Roger, why don't you start us off with uh, from True Aquaponics. Well, how are you doing? And, um, and uh, you know, what, what's been going on with you lately? And, and then what are some of the common questions that you're seeing? Everything is going excellent. Uh, of course, we're sequestered away. I've been, been in the house now for about 487 days. Can you believe that? 487 days. It's actually been since March 20th. Long enough, uh, we're ready to get out, but uh, gotta gotta stay safe. So we're not we're not uh, venturing out too much yet. Um, the biggest thing I've seen in the last month uh, with aquaponics is is people, new people coming in and people restarting their systems that thought at one time, hey, this isn't a big deal. I don't need this. I can go to the grocery store and get this. Uh, and they're realizing, hey, there may be food shortages, and there are some food shortages in some places, and so they're they're starting these systems back up or starting a new system. And the the biggest question they got is, how do I get this done quickly? How do I get it done safely? Uh, and how do I do it without losing all my fish? Um, we help them with that. We've got a product we call Fake Fish, which is actually just ammonia sulfate. Uh, it's a very pure form of ammonia or ammonia, and um, it uh, doesn't have any succulents in it or soap that uh, the liquid ammonia that you're going to find on the shelf does. And it, it gets you going really quick um, and safely. You can monitor what's going on with your system uh, and, and move forward. And when it becomes time, when your system gets cycled, you can add your fish. You don't lose fish that way uh, for the most part. You're still going to have some loss, uh, and that's just due to stress of moving fish from one environment to another, but uh, it gives you a lot of control. Awesome. What are some of the other questions you're seeing uh, uh, in your group and, and uh, you know, people calling you with, with issues? Uh, the biggest question we're seeing right now is um, obviously has to do with why are my plants looking the way they look with the yellowing, whether it be the top of the plant new growth or bottom of the plant old growth or somewhere in between. Wayne. Um, and, and most of those questions are answered with uh, you either need iron or you need potassium or you need a combination of the two or a combination of those two and magnesium or a whole host of other minerals um, that you can't just go to Walmart and buy. 
uh, and you go to Walmart and get an MPK that's artificially generated and, and put in a bag and you can dump that in your system if you like and kill everything. Uh, or you can use stuff that's, that's safe for aquaponics and everything else, whereas those MPK bags are not. Uh, that's the, and the, I think the biggest question for us right now is uh, why do my plants have aphids? Uh, there, there seems to be an outbreak of, of insects since everybody's staying inside right now. And uh, the, the real reason for aphids is if you have sickly plants, uh, nature's looking to get rid of those sickly plants. Um, and the correct minerals and the correct dosages will help your plants be healthy. That way nature's not looking to get rid of them, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, def healthy plants definitely have a much better chance against uh, pests in general. So let's yeah, talk about natural that. Defense. Yeah. Let's talk about the different types of aphids. So there's there's your regular plant leaf aphids, and then there's also the root aphids, and um, uh, you kind of fight them very differently. So uh, let's talk about that. So let's start off with um, uh, the root aphids, and then we'll go to the other ones. So for root aphids, root aphids can actually be one of the trickiest things to fight in aquaponics. Um, if you're doing media beds, in my opinion, you know, obviously if you're doing media beds or dual root zones, the easiest way to do with them is to do knock them back with uh, um, a Bavaria bassania or bassania bavaria. I always forget which order those are in. Uh, maybe someone can correct me in chat. And um, and then there's also another product. Um, which I also like to use and knock them back. Give me two seconds here. I will get you the name of that. Um, and, and with which are both fungals. So basically, they're a, a beneficial fungus that actually will go after um, uh, these insects and uh, attacks them via the respiratory system and then um, suffocates them. So, uh, or suffocates them and then uses their corpses to grow its mushrooms so it can kill more, uh, which is pretty freaking awesome. Uh, here it is. This is the other species. So the other one is called Fumosorosia apopka strain 97. And the product is PFR97. And then you can go with uh, for that one. And then for the other one, Bavaria bassania, you know, you can go with your Botanigard ES or Botanigard WP, or um, I believe there's another company out there that has an, uh, there's Natralis, uh, there's Mycotrol O. Uh, there's all uh, Neutralis is in Europe. My control O would be uh, for United States. Uh, they also comes in an organic certifiable one. If you're an organic certified farm, my control O is available in, a, in an Omri. Uh, and then the other one is BioSeries uh, WP, which is a wet powder um, as well, which is a different strain than some of the others. So if you're having a little bit of a struggle, you know, mixing the BioSeries with the um, you know Botanigard um, and the, um, the the PRF is a really, gar, a really good uh, combo if you're fighting them. Uh, PFR, I'm sorry. Um, I like Botanigard and nematodes. Yeah, and then also with the nematodes as well. The nematodes will help knock them back. And again, the nematodes won't solve them entirely, but they're going to kill a percentage of them. Same thing with the fungus. It's going to kill a percentage of them. And then once you're knocked back considerably, you can come in with Aphidilus irvi, which in studies seems to do significantly better um, with most of your cannabis aphids than the Aphidilus colmeni. Not to say that the colmeni don't help, but irvi seems to do a little bit better uh, in general. Um, and then you can also come in with your uh, rove beetles uh, as well to uh, knock them back and then lace wings. 
you know, and, and again, because they can fly, you kind of need to hit them with the multifaceted uh, thing. So you want to knock them back with the fungi and then release your nematodes and then your, your predators to kind of finish them off. Um, they, they can be very tricky, but you can eliminate them in aquaponics. We've had, uh, uh, had to deal with them in the, the showroom at uh, the, the aquaponics source for a bit. And uh, it took us a few, a few tries to figure out something to finally knock them out. But um, uh, thankfully I haven't had to deal with them too often when cannabis grows. People seem to be a little bit more picky about what they bring into the grow. So, um, but I have seen them quite a bit in veggie grows. In fact, I saw one recently at a, a veggie grow I visited not too far from our own. And uh, they had some pretty gnarly cilantro. So um, it, it was quite crazy. So uh, definitely that's the best way to knock back your root aphids. And then let's talk about the top plant aphids. So a lot of people like to do ladybugs. Ladybugs actually aren't a really good option because ladybugs are not very eco um, ecologically responsibly collected. And they kind of pull them off of plants with shop vacs in California. It's not very good. So uh, you can, uh, depending on what type you're going after, lace wings are really kind of the best bang for your buck. Uh, you can get the cards, the eggs, or the larva. Uh, all of them are, are pretty affordable uh, in pretty large quantities. Um, and so then uh, if you're like, fighting, uh, you know, if you're, what's that? I think you can make an argument that road beetles are also cost effective because they're more likely to reproduce. So like, I mean, you may, they're more expensive up front, but place wings, you're going to have to continue to buy them because most of the time they're not going to find the place where they're going to reproduce reliably. So, you know, there is a, I do think that, and specifically for root aphids, I think that, and, and did when I had them release row beetles as well. And uh, so I would, I would recommend those and argue that they're also a pretty decent bang for your buck probably not as good as lace wing, um, especially up front. They're, they're pretty cheap on the, on the ladybug scale of cost wise. Um, but sure, there sure. Are, usually the cards only hatch for about three weeks and then they, you know, they stick around for a little while. What, I don't know exactly what their, uh, how long their larva stage lasts. Do you, do you know how long it lasts? For, for which one? For uh, lace wings? wings? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Because they get it's pretty good size. I mean, but they, they murder a lot of aphids. In the, yeah. <laughs> you always keep in mind that your predator insects only stay around as long as you have a problem. If they, if they, well, the, the, there's a few exceptions to that. So some of okay, your predators good. can actually feed on pollen, like your aureus, your, your pirate bugs. Uh, those are a great one if you have pepper plants and you got your banker plants that can provide pollen uh, you know you can release them and keep them going and breeding you know by feeding off of both pollen and protein sources from your garden so uh, we can definitely talk about good general bang for your buck and good general pests but uh, let's let's try and get through the aphid section real quick uh, and then we'll sorry move on. go on my uh, but um sure uh, and then in a greenhouse the colmany and the Irvi also are really good options, depending on what type of aphid you're up against. Um, again, a little bit more pricey, but can be very good. Uh, if you have a bigger infestation, they will reproduce very rapidly and exponentially. Um, and then you also have abdo abdominalis, which is another one that's another little parasitic wasp. Uh, and then you have a midge, which is an aphylides. Uh, which is another one. Again, if you're in a greenhouse or closed space, those guys can be really, really awesome. 
uh, for uh, knocking back larger populations, whereas the lacewings and stuff are good for kind of just general, uh, you know, pest prevention or, or, or a little, you know, they're not going to deal with an enormous outbreak. You can get lacewing just as already hatched adults that you can release as a mass wave too. You don't have to get them on cards because the cards are a bit more of a slow burn in terms of release. You know, you're not going to have like an army immediately out there uh, eating stuff. So I like to I like to get both. Like I'll do an initial release of live, and then also get uh, uh, cards that I can then move around. That might also be better for a smaller grower too, because since they're time released, he doesn't get them all hatched and gone all at the same time. They they release through time, so he can you know, they'll be there longer in his grow. You know, oh yeah, if you're if you're panicking, I would get the lacewing larvae. You can buy the yeah. live. In fact, I've released them twice into our greenhouse as part of our regimen uh, uh, because we've found um, we had a handful of. Uh, aphids outside the greenhouse on some stuff, but we haven't found anything in the greenhouse. Um, uh, so just as a prevention, we're releasing great, those, and then we also release a rotation of of mites. Um, you know, you, you were you, in the springtime. You're worried about spider mites coming in from outside. You're worried about thrips coming in from outside. You're worrying about aphids coming in from outside in a greenhouse environment. So we release the lace wings. Uh, we rotate persimilis. Uh, uh, the cucumeris and or, and, um, the, I'm sorry, the Andersoni, uh, Californicus and the uh, Phallus is what the rotation we're doing is now. Although I might swap the Phallus with Swarskii, but uh, I think uh, once the heat really sets in, we're going to primarily stick with the Californicus because they do have the highest temperature range of the ones that you normally would release for any kind of just general pest prevention. So um, if you I are in like, a hotter like climate, Definitely a good one, but persimilis are the best option, strictly speaking, for two-spotted spider mites because that is the only thing that they feed on. If you ever are up against that, and as long as you keep your humidity up, they'll reproduce relatively well, um, as long as they still have food to eat. So, pretty good for helping control infestations. Like especially if you have a small infestation in flower, you know you don't. Uh, don't want to spray anything or, uh, you know, treat really heavily. So, you know, good defoliation and cut out all the damage and release a bunch of uh, persimilis and I find it to be really effective. Probably the most effective thing for, for treating anything in, in flower you want to try and save for sure. Oh, yeah. And, and as far as other good general pest management, nematodes are one of the best that you can release in your garden. You know, when you're doing your soil mixes and you're doing your potting soil, just putting that in there right there in the beginning, uh, making sure you have those on hand when you're mixing your soils, uh, and then kind of forgetting about them uh, uh, as an active fungus snap prevention and, um, you know, prevention for a whole wide range of different things. Uh, and for threat prevention and uh, other things that will also lay eggs in the soil, uh, they really kick butt at um, combining them with dilatids, uh, you know, the uh, rove beetles, remember nematodes generally, and as well as the Bavaria bisonia uh, and your other uh, beneficial fungi that you might release to kill off other insects don't generally attack beetles. So ladybirds, uh, rove beetles, and predatory mites generally are not affected by those. So uh, uh, you can use those in conjunction with both nematodes and those sprays without having to worry about them killing off your beneficials. And there are different types of beneficial nematodes or different species mm -hmm. that'll attack different insects. So yeah. sometimes just be aware 
like especially um, like if you're just getting your beneficial nematodes at your local bug store or whatever, sometimes there's only one one type of them and they're just like, here you go. And it, um, and specifically, if you're looking to treat, treat root, root aphids, there's a, a more specific one that's going to be more effective. There's what, probably four different kinds, I think. I have to go look. For which anyway, one? The, go ahead, Steve. For the nematodes? Yeah, for nematodes. Yeah, the, I think on the market currently, there's six or eight different species total that I'm aware of. Anyway, so, so just make sure, you know, for whatever in particular that you're fighting or, or even just release more than, than one type, kind of like, you know, here the local bug store sells a, a triple threat predator mite package and a triple threat nematode package. So you can get, you know, three different kinds of, uh, of each one without having to, to buy large amounts of each one. You just get a mixture. Sorry about that. My mic muted. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought my mic was muted. Um, I think that might be a thing. I'm sorry. Since you took a second, I had to chime in. I think it. that might be an idea over here on the East Coast. I might be looking. I might look into maybe starting a predator insect business over here. That might be something I could fit in because there's so much covered by everybody we know. But that's the way you know we got Dr. Suzanne, you know, no doubt about it. The bug lady, mm -hmm. love Dr. The, the, uh, Suzanne Wayne Evans. Um, but you know, not and not to step on her toes because I do not have her expertise, but I, I could start raising predator bugs, you know, so I think that might be a thought for me <laughs> with a smaller operation. What yeah, well, there's definitely people out there that, that do those for, for different things, so um, the uh. So other general pests, again, we talked about aureus. There's a couple of different species of aureus. Most companies sell aureus insidious uh, and insidiosis, uh, which is the, the main one, but there are a few other species. Africa, these are slightly different species uh, than they do here. Um, again, but one of the best predators. Uh, they The downside to aureus is that they can bite you and leave welts, which kind of sucks. Um, praying mantises also can be there for larger pests, but generally don't do that great of a job, uh, but are great for field application. Uh, and then assassin bugs are another really good one as far as general pest prevention. Um, yeah, they're great. They're not and so then great, uh, as far as- But they're like on that drove beetle level in terms of cost, so. Yeah. But definitely, definitely effective, and especially for outdoor. I feel like most people's if your outdoor climate is good enough to grow cannabis, it's probably tolerant enough to have, you know, like pirate bugs or assassin bugs are probably going to do pretty well outside. So I always recommend them for outdoor grows for sure, just because they have a little more coverage than your average, you know, uh, smaller mite or bug. And you can also use the beneficial, uh, or so the other thing I was going to talk about too is caterpillars. A lot of people fight caterpillars on a bigger scale. Um, you know, you can use products like um, uh, the Bavaria bassania, like we talked about before, or the other fungal spore that we talked about, as well as um, there's a little predatory wasp called Trichogamma. And depending on what your climate is, what part of the country, um, you know, you can get the different species that are available, the Trichogamma. Brisiae, Trichogamma platinari, 
Shekagama Minutuum, and a couple of others, uh, Prestori Pretotiosium, and a few others uh, out there, depending on what, again, where you are in the world you are, uh, that'll be best for your climate. And you just hang them on the plants the same as you would the um, lace wing larva cards, and they'll hatch out and hunt down any uh, caterpillar, caterpillar moth eggs in your local area. Um, they also tend to be a general predator. So they'll, they'll attack quite a wide range of different moths uh, and butterflies that might lay eggs in your, in your buds, so. Okay, so can I ask you a question? Sure. Why'd you laugh at me when I said I would think I was, entertaining the idea of starting a program. Oh, no, no, no. I was laughing at the idea of competing with her by making bugs. Oh, well, I'm not trying to compete with her, but she can't supply everybody in the world, right? So oh, no, she doesn't maybe supply I could anybody. Even... She just gives advice and she consults. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, actually, he because laughed she... because all Rogers are funny. That, no, thank <laughs> Yeah, we're hilarious. Funny looking. Well, when I was in, when I was at the conference and sitting there with Suzanne, she, she was sitting there showing me her bugs that she had for sale. So I don't really know where, what you're saying. She doesn't. Oh, no, bugs. no. It was because beneficial insectary had donated a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, well, big shout out to Suzanne Rain Evans. Uh, she, she is the expert that we love so much yeah. when it comes to. She prayer. does a uh, evening courses now occasionally or like, jam sessions or something on instagram or something very cool lady yep. extremely funny too believe yep. it or not <laughs> oh yes and if you if you ever uh she ever helps you be sure you donate to her cat rescue because she uh she runs a cat rescue too so if you yep. ever very good appreciate person. her knowledge be sure you you kick her some you know help out her the, her uh her passion so she uh, makes the world better one cat at a time Awesome. All right. So, um, <laughs> what other what, what other pests pro problems are you guys talking about? What's the best yeah. cover crops for Bennis? For, for I'm assuming cannabis as far as cover crops. Um, cover crops. I re, uh, you know clover can have quite a wide range of, of uh, stuff. But you know what's one that people don't talk about quite a bit that actually has a ludicrously large range uh, of mycorrhizal fungi is purslane. Purslane will grow in damn near any kind of soil conditions you throw at it. And it, it has extremely deep roots, sometimes over 20 feet deep. And uh, dandelions from, from very deep underground. Uh, dandelions are another great one. In fact, I was working last night and I'm writing the, um, the bio, you know, some of the additional like um, ferment based mineral mineralization stuff. And uh, we're, I was looking at the different um, bioaccumulators, but man, you know, stinging nettle and dandelion as far as all around an amaranth, you know, as far as just having a ludicrous amount of minerals uh, in general are just, holy crap, that and purslane all just have tons and tons and tons of minerals compared to most of your other plants that most people have available to them. So, you know, if you're looking at doing ferments and, and compost teas and FPJs, yep. uh, those are definitely things to consider. I got dandelions all over my entire property like crazy. You could have a barbecue, a dandelion barbecue. Yeah. But we do our FPJ with that. I mean, I've got a lot of other stuff, you know, but yes, I, I, I love the dandelions for that. So that, it, yeah, I'm sorry. So, I just had to throw that in. 
Yeah, no problem. Mike West wanted to know about beneficial insect pollen sources. So I know you can get it from uh, Arvico. Is that, is that how you say it? They have like a bug feed. I think it's called like a super bug feed or something like that specifically. Yeah, for as, far, those as, far as, as far as bankers, ornamental peppers, purple flash peppers, um, any of your kind of rapidly flowering, rapidly producing smaller bodied peppers, something that's going to crank, you know, constant volume that doesn't have to put a ton of energy into maturing that pepper, uh, tend to be, for whatever reason, seem to be the, the favorite food for most of your uh, beneficials. Oh, buckwheat pollen. Buckwheat pollen too, yeah. That's a good idea. I like that. And so you can get, you know, you can buy, uh, just buy pollen in bulk. It's pretty cheap if you don't have anything right away, like where you're getting your bankers established. You know, you can kind of put out, uh, put out little feeders. I use muffin cups, and uh, I think it works great. What what kind of uh, what what do you recommend? You know, because I'm just catching up with the idea because this is something new to me about keeping your predator bugs there by providing them pollen. So I'd like to deal. Well, I'd like to find out what you're talking about using. And yeah, this is something very interesting, I think. for all. Yeah, you can order it just on the, on their website. I'll find it. Hang on. So, so uh, I know uh, Roger from True Aquaponics also has some stuff for, for caterpillars as well. Yeah, we uh we carry a BT powder that's uh it's got a shelf life of three years. So instead of selling it in a great abundance, we sell it eight ounces at a time. That way, people don't have it on their shelves for very long. Um, and it, it doesn't take much. A couple of tablespoons to a gallon of water. You spray it on, um, and it it I mean the stuff is unbelievably good. It's natural. Um, we it is uh organically listed but because we repackage it from bulk we can't list it organically but it is organically listed originally um and it's it's just a it's a great product if you need something right now if you've got such an infestation uh that that you're losing your plants or you're getting ready to lose your plants or getting so much damage you need to stop it uh, and then go back to the the other controls that have been talked about uh, that's that to me. That's the best way to go. Uh, take care of your primary problem up front, and then uh, move into the insect control, which is even more uh, uh, natural and and better for the plants. Someone asked about bee pollen. You could absolutely use bee pollen for that if you, if you had a source for it. I think um, it's real smart that you do that too, because we don't find out enough in. Uh, for the smaller growers where you guys will, or even I, cause I buy and sell stuff too, but you guys got this great uh, company started. And I think it's great, really awesome that you feel like you can sell that smaller quantity to be, you know, sending it to the small growers and all. I think that's really great. Cause not too many companies ever think about the small guy and giving them a small amount. So it doesn't go to waste on the shelf. So kudos, Roger. That's a great idea, man. I love it. So, Roger, I posted that link in the chat. Thank you, brother. Oh, no, no problem. It's called Good Bug Power Meal. 
this is actually a picture that was posted in American Aquaponics today. Uh, gentleman asking, you know, what do I do about this? So those are cabbage worms that are just eating his brassicas plants to, you know, to death. So uh, I think that's that's probably my guess would be what's left over of easy, easy. What's left over of uh, some, I don't know, cauliflower or, or broccoli. Uh, the worms are just going nuts and if well, yeah, you had our product the bt product it would just be a matter of of 16 18 hours and they would all be dead because they would eat the product they would eat the the bacteria that's in the product and it would kill them uh within 24 hours so you would remove the threat and then come in with your your other insects that would take care of the incoming threat um to to make it as good of a grow as possible and that's that's I wanted to share that because this is what a lot of people see and they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, yeah and sure. caterpillars can definitely be tricky on brassicas, uh, as well as the brassica aphids. Those guys can be quite tricky to deal with occasionally as well. Um, I know other people also will spray um, lactose, uh, either concentrated lactose or whole milk. Uh, and uh, onto their brassicas as well, uh, in order to uh, you know deter moths. Well, that'd be cool, something to deter moths. Yeah, that's another one. People don't even think about moths usually, but so when you say caterpillar worms, you're talking about loopers, Roger. Pretty much any caterpillar you can think of. Yeah, okay. Um, the bees yeah. you'll take care of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because we see a lot of that down here. Are you saying loopers because my last name's Loper? Is that is that it? You picking no, on me? I'm saying that the cabbage look like when you look it up. It's when I was researching the worm, the big giant green worms that were climbing up my tomatoes and pepper stalks. More tomatoes and cucumbers. They would eat the hell out of all the leaves on the top. And I remember that picture you put up reminded me of that. You know, but you know, see back in the day. You can also treat that with some insecticidal soap or just a mixture of soap if you're in the ground and kind of spread it around your 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 root base, not you know, not flooded or drink, you know, but put it around the cat. They don't like climbing over soap. They don't like soap. You know, um, that's what they did in the old days in the tobacco farms. In the old days in the south, they would they would treat uh, the loopers. They'd go and hand pick every one of them off those big green hornworms or whatever you, I mean, you can yeah. find a bunch of different names, different colors, different, then, but they all kind of look the same and they will eat the hell out of the foliage off the top of the plant. And yeah, it can be, you can find them. The thing is, is they don't always necessarily kill the plants, but yeah, I, I, it, to me, it's a, a plant's not healthy if, if something ate the top of it. Oh, well, that's a crab, but it's not a blue crab. So, you know. So. We had uh, another question from Chess. I'd <laughs> like to learn how to make labs. Also, perhaps an overview of the benefits. So, watch Chris Trump's video on YouTube. <laughs> or you can watch my, I have a, some good videos. Uh, I prefer to do it with um, kefir. So we use uh, kefir. Uh, instead of the traditional uh, rice water collection, rice water collection is okay. There's nothing wrong with doing it that way, but we found that using kefir or kefir, depending on what your culture is used to calling it, um, provides significantly more vitamin B and also seems to work a little more rapidly, one to three days faster, especially when large batches. Uh, and at a commercial scale, I don't have time. So 
uh, I needed to work faster. And by having that increase in vitamin. Hello, doggy. Sorry about that. So the um, working on, uh, uh, one second. Hey, Steve, this is fun. We always did this to have fun so, and that's fun. Yeah, it's okay. When a dog runs through and, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, at, least, at least my little dog's quiet and cute, was you I, know? At least well, right now he is, about, anyway. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, labs. So... You take, so I, I would do is order some kefir off of labs, five or six different uh, um, uh, sources of labs online and or um, kefir, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then put them, I, I like to do kefir in four gallon, four gallons of milk in a five gallon bucket with the lid works really well. And uh, as far as, you know, lactobacillus production, uh, you can add sugar, uh, brown sugar, if you want to speed it up. And then you can add whatever else you want to that. But you can make huge volumes of labs very quickly that way. Uh, and then you can take the tops of the labs, press it and make cheese out of it. So you can do all kinds of cool stuff. You said to actually just use straight milk. Is that yeah, I, you went through kind of fast? You yeah, so, you take so I'll use I just use kefir and milk and then whatever. So you don't break the milk down the one to 10 with water or anything like that. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Gotcha. I just wanted to clarify you that could, real quick. You everybody. absolutely could dilute it. If you dilute it, you'll get a little less cheese. Um, you will get a little more cheese than you're used to by using my method, but it's perfectly fine. You know, just press the rest of the labs out of that cheese and then, hey, make, you know, get some cheesecloth or paint strainers and get yourself some cheese you know it's fresh you know all you gotta do is salt it and, and heat it up and, uh, and you're good to go so yeah chris trump also has a, a class on how to convert your your labs to that um, but labs increases plant growth speed it also eliminates things like e coli salmonella listeria and other pathogens that might uh, hurt you uh, so that's the main reasons why we do it it increases plant growth rate increases fish growth rate uh, you know all around just makes a night and day difference and, and it helps uh, to decrease disease and, and, and issues that you have too. That's yeah, it'll also eat powdery mildew. Yep, that's another great, great great thing about it. So, and you also use it as part of your, your IMO recipes. Uh, we had another question in chat. Um, I have a trout pond, six acres of land. What's the best way to incorporate the pond into the hemp field? So we're actually about to do that. We actually have a, was it a one to two acre pond? Would you guys? Yeah, a little over an acre, about an acre pond um, that we're going to be running for the main reservoir for five gallon or five acres of, of land. And the pond is heavily stocked with catfish and um, uh, bluegill. So we're basically just going to power feed them to get us a little extra nitrogen in the first half of the season. And then we won't do that in the second half. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So it'll be kind of a, a decoupled wicking bed or you know aquaponics and uh and then maybe not wicking but uh but certainly uh fish fed uh field farming uh might be a better way to put it would you consider that you'd be in if you want to incorporate it into your aquaponics system from a pond wouldn't you maybe you could talk about what kind of filterization that they might be looking at to make sure it's safe you know, for your plants and your fish. Well, you you would want to do a, a pesticide residue test and a heavy metal test on the water in the pond to make sure you aren't spreading who the hell knows what. You'd also want to have a good talk with your neighbors 
to make sure your neighbors aren't spraying ridiculous crap that's going to end up in your pond by flowing, you know, downstream or from underground uh, into your your place. Thankfully, our pond is spring-fed, so we don't have to worry about much. Uh, but uh, and our neighbors are are pretty chill. You know, they're not spraying anything. So, and we've actually talked to our neighbors about uh, what they're doing and uh, and haven't had any issues. But um, uh, but yeah. So that's that's what's going on with that i lost my train of thought <laughs> um we had another question in chat uh where was it here is it okay if some leaf segments grow faster than others and sometimes stuck growing together if i if i saw plants where one part of the leaf is growing significantly faster than the other oftentimes that's a sign of a viral issue um, uh, you, it could be a sign of, of other stress related problems, but, uh, it's very common when you see mosaic virus infections in, in cannabis. It's also common in leaf curl virus infections. You, there's both bean leaf curl and, and nightshade leaf curl, or it's called tomato leaf curl virus. Uh, both of those can actually be found in cannabis. So you do need to make sure that, you know, that those aren't also an issue. Uh, and then, you know, different issues with, with phosphorus lockout can also cause, you know, pretty severe leaf curl to one side or the other. So, um, but I, I, again, I, without seeing pictures of the plant, it's kind of hard to say. Also, pH can cause a severe leaf curl, which would be locking out phosphorus probably. Uh, all right. So what uh, what other uh, things do you have going on in your garden there uh, uh, over there in Texas, Roger? What are you growing in your garden this year? Oh, thanks for putting me on the spot. Actually, something we did, uh, of course, it's not legal here in Texas to grow any hemp or, or, or uh, marijuana, so we have to stick to the legal stuff. This year, for the first time, we put uh, some sweet potato slips in uh in the aquaponic system and the stuff is going nuts and we we hear the leaves are fantastic we're not really trying to grow potatoes but the they say the leaves are fantastic in salads so we're looking at that uh tabasco flavored peppers uh which is obviously not a real pepper i mean it's a pepper obviously but uh it's it's not a, it's it's a hybrid but it tastes like tabasco sauce extremely hot and i mean it's got that vinegary flavor of tabasco and then of course our cherry tomatoes that the plants just get so huge that's that's another crop we're growing again that we grow every year that uh, we'll, we'll grow one or two plants and end up with 10 to 12 pounds a day that we have to harvest from it uh, at our aquaponic system um and last year we had two tabasco pepper plants and I put those in my mother's system that's up the hill from us. And every three or four days, she was harvesting 300 plus peppers, cutting them up, put them in a dehydrator and making, you know, pepper for everybody. Uh, and she is still giving that stuff away from last year. And they they have come back from seed as, as uh, volunteers this year. So she's giving plants away. Just, I mean, unbelievable amount of plants um let's see what else we're growing uh, of course the, the different types of chives onion chives garlic chives just for flavored in salad um we've got eggplant going uh what's left over the onions over the winter 
of course, our ch- our chocolate mint, which we keep a very tight hand on because it can go crazy and and uh, create issues in an aquaponics system because it it's so invasive. And then horseradish, which is very unusual to hear about in aquaponics. We have a huge grow of horseradish um, that uh, we got from a gentleman a couple of years ago. We got this one little tiny root in an envelope, stuck it in the bed, and it has gone nuts. Uh, it just it loves uh, the aquaponic water with the minerals we add uh, every three weeks. So it, it absolutely loves the environment, and it's very invasive. So... Be careful where you put it if you ever try to grow it uh, because it is invasive. Uh, let's see. Beyond that, uh, we got rosemary, aloe vera. Um, let's see. We've got some lamb's ear, which is sage. Um, several of the people in our family love sage, so we, we try to keep a good growth of that going all the time. Uh, that's, gee, I don't know. That's, that's about it right now. We were thinking about doing some corn just to see what it would do. We did it a few years ago. Did really well uh we just hadn't started any this year uh but that's where we're at right now and uh having a great time with it awesome yeah that i love growing pineapple sage and aquaponics it's really good for for seasoning your meat i like the diversity that you got there that's some very interesting things it's not your typical um you know everything you know that you would normally find in a garden now is this now i'm just what i was curious uh, roger is this uh do you do commercial sales or is this for your family this, this is just for family and we we okay. also give produce away we don't do commercial sales of plants at all um we we do work with a lot of people that do commercial sales some with some really 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 large systems uh and they do very well but yeah we don't do any commercial sales of plants I was just curious because it sounded like something like I would do for like all my peppers. I got 24 to 28 cultivars now of different peppers and I share them with people and um, I don't have a big enough area or anything to really make a lot of money selling peppers. I can kind of break even, but I just tend to do it for food and to make uh, powders like your mom dehydrate and then do that, you know, pepper mashes and chilies and stuff like that. It's, it's more fun to cook with them than it is to, uh, and, you know, so I was just curious, my friend, you know, because that sounded like a, somebody growing stuff for their kitchen. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's exactly what we're doing, not just for our kitchen, but our daughter lives down the hill from us. Uh, my, my in-laws live up the hill, and then a little farther over, my uh, mother lives, so everything we grow from here up to the top of the hill is for the family to eat and uh, to spice our food with and we make a lot of different flavored salts also uh so with the rosemary and other herbs that we grow uh they we dry that stuff mix it with salt and make a, a flavored salt which is not just a lot of fun to do but it's a lot of fun to cook with yeah awesome yeah hey, i gotta i gotta get you know i'm gonna i'm gonna actually start some of those things you got like the chives and something else and um have you ever thought about doing any do you think you could do sesame i don't know does roger say open sesame sometimes uh grow it i i don't know <laughs> never never even thought about growing sesame we'll we'll talk about that later i just wondered okay. so so we had a, a couple of other questions in chat. Any gopher preventatives, IPM? Well, in aquaponics, we don't really have gopher issues too much. They drown pretty quickly. But um, if you're talking about in soil, your best bet for soil 
is to plant stuff that is toxic to them uh, that you can grow with your cannabis. Well, what to has toxic roots? Anything in the nightshade family. So, um, you know, growing ground cherries and growing tomatoes and growing, um, uh, there's other South America, was it Cocona is another one. And some of your other weird South American uh, uh, nightshades can be good. Just remember that nightshades can transfer viroids uh, to your, your cannabis plants. So be, be careful where you're sourcing them. Make sure they're good, reputable places. But if they're clean, plant interspacing them with the root systems of your cannabis plants can help prevent uh, gophers from attacking your roots. Uh, there's other plants as well out there. Uh, yucca is another one that you can plant that also they just do cannot handle eating the roots of. So, uh, you know, look at look at other plants that, uh, you know, maybe have root systems that are really gnarly that they can't deal with uh, if you're looking for a source for that that you want to do naturally uh, and then is essential oils not effective pest control when you have fish well it depends on the essential oil so um, uh, roger and i both are big fans of a product called kapow uh, which is a, a lemongrass oil and castor oil which if you spray too much of it in the water, it will kill your fish, but you can be pretty liberal. I mean, you can you can spray quite a bit in the water before it's really a problem. You have to pour quite a bit in. Um, so that is a really good one for essential oils, but you know, a lot of people like azadiractin. No, if, if it's for vegetables and stuff, it's okay. In my opinion, it doesn't really work that great. It kind of sucks uh, compared to other options. Um, but, um, uh, uh, you know, I would avoid, uh, I've used uh, stuff like, um, uh, what's that one called? Uh, anyways, any of, you know, there's a whole bunch of generic essential peppermint oil, rosemary oil, most of your 25 bees. And hey, you know, if you're growing lettuce and you want to feel good about having a good healthy pest uh, option on your, on your plants, that can be a really good thing to go a uh, way to go but it, 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 if you're growing cannabis again what's going to happen if i spray that essential oil onto those trichomes i'm going to end up contaminating a bunch of those unmature trichomes and when i end up doing my my uh, hash extraction later on it's going to blend a little bit of that essential oil residue into my stuff so i might end up having residue or testing hot for stuff or this that or the other um uh you know uh uh, and that could end up failing me or causing me to have problems in testing. So that's another reason why I've just stopped essential oils. We are strictly using um, uh, Pactillus pamilus, Pactillus subtilis, Bavaria bassania, uh, the Fumosa isilia, and the, or whatever the other one is, the, the beneficial fungi, uh, and, and Lactobacillus. And um, that's really about it for foliar sprays. You know, there's, there's no reason to really use anything else. You don't need to. Um, I, that's all I ever spray my plants with. We don't really have any problems. You know, it's just fine. You know, occasionally you'll have a, a random issue here and there, but you know, you should be able to knock everything back for the most part, just about anyways. Um, bong aphids can be a bit of a bitch depending on how established they are when you find them. Um, but they're, you know, them and root aphids, again, if, if you find them really late into getting established, but most of those, even root aphids, don't really prefer to feed on cannabis. Uh, so, you know, they, they'd rather feed on something else. They'll just, they will feed on it if they have no other option.
That's kind of good info too, because sometimes you can alleviate the fact that something might be eating your plant if you find out if you learn what likes to eat cannabis or what doesn't like to eat cannabis. So I haven't really ever discussed that or heard you say that before. So I had to throw. Yeah, so you can actually use bait plants, you know, cilantro, rosemary, um, whatever else. Well, cilantro I'm just mentioning because I saw that at that farm the other day. But uh, uh, not rosemary, I'm sorry. Lettuce, squash, um, chamomile, kale. Uh, all of these things are very, very happily fed upon by insects and you can you know you want once they get a little bit stretched they're not doing so hot underneath your canopy they're really good targets for for your you know those um insects to feed on and, and can really act like a magnet to help pull those insects off your main plants just remember to replace them regularly make sure they do not stay in your grow that long uh, and if they are you know come up clean hey you can give them away or put them out in your garden whatever I can tell you what I can attest to. I've never seen anything attacked by bugs more than squash. Get some crook neck squash and all the bugs will be right. They oh, yeah. will grow a ton of squash you can eat, but all the bugs will be right there on that plant. I mean, it's a, it's like you want to, you want to research bugs, <laughs> put some squash in the, cut a fresh garden and put some squash down. You'll see every bug you can think of around your property. Yeah. So, um, uh, what other questions do people have uh, that are listening to you? A couple other things going on there. What about uh, you, Marty? What do you got going on in your grow? Uh, let's see. So today we are starting what week six. So yeah, it'll be uh, so like three weeks left, probably. I'm thinking. Seems like about where we're at. So lights aren't quite on yet, but uh, yeah, got my my experiment bed is starting to so show. So I did one that was just uh, just castings and no amendments. So basically just recycled soil and and worm castings from my worm bin, and uh, it's already starting to fade, you know, relatively early on. So. It'll be interesting to see how some of those finish up and some of the, the buds are forming a little differently so uh kind of interesting to just kind of see how all those work and um <clears throat> i did have to pull one plant because i had some spider mites on it and then also on my normal regiment release rope beetles and lacewing and the triple threat predators so in the next round, I'll probably release. Oh, and I have mantis eggs that I put out a couple weeks ago. So we'll have mantis relatively soon. So next, I think, is uh, I can't remember either pirate or assassin bugs on my. So I usually rotate in with uh, lace wing, is like my consistent ones. They're always just kind of hatching. I'm trying to establish some populations of the ones that are a little more likely to reproduce. So, but you're, primar you're primarily in, inside right now, though, right, Marty? You're not. You haven't started outside in your new home. That's right? a great question. Yeah, I haven't gone outside. I mean, I have plants ready to go outside, but I can't put them outside yet. So, um, I do need to get started and uh, um, 
really just waiting on everything's kind of shut down still. So waiting on to people with both bulldozer to be able to come over and flatten everything out and build the pad so we can start setting up the outdoor system, which will be a lot of fun. So I think the the overall I was gonna put a greenhouse in this year, but with everything, you know, being so slow, I think I haven't 100% decided yet, but I think I'm just going to grow one season this year outdoor and just see if I can grow monsters. And then I'll build a greenhouse over the top of it and do a light depth out of the same system. So I'll just, after the, uh, after the full season, because even if I got a greenhouse built, I'll basically just be on the same schedule as outdoor. So I might as well have giant plants, right? Right. <laughs> But I hadn't that's seen always, That's always the right answer. Out. You could say you could end anything like that. We might as well have giant plants, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just want dry giant plants. Yeah. Actually, I've gotten to the point where I just I really I would love to see a, I've never got the opportunity to grow giant plants in my backyard like you guys, you know. Um, but I yeah. tell you what, it'd be nice. But honestly, I've gotten to the point where the because of the control you can have and and uh, the my ability to build up several I got all the uh, components to build hoop houses from 12 to 16 to 20 feet wide at 10 foot increments and along with the commercial greenhouse and all so um i like to, I'm, I'm actually for the first time because i've always been a natural grower i'm going to get into what all everybody else is doing where they're topping 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 and making a canopy and stuff i'm going to start working because that's i've done it a little bit but i've always been more of a natural i always wanted to let my plant be natural i think we've all talked about that and we love that but there are ways because of your situation or your your grow room or whatever you have that it's a lot like especially a tent and i didn't mean to get into this but it just comes to my mind as i'm talking about it where sure. go, 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 uh, canopy control height is really big and i'm i'm getting to the point where it's not about how much i i don't need pounds and pounds i want super high quality and i don't think you lose quality just for everybody out there you don't lose quality by topping you just make your plant produce buds in a different way and then you can get your quality one way or the other you're going to end up with the same good quality um it's it's not a matter, and even the same yield. I don't think that uh, you get more yield out of topping and topping and having a canopy than you do out of a full-grown, untopped plant. No, um, you get you get way more yield. Topping. Well, okay, all right. So, but yeah. all right. So, so and, and so yeah. One second, and, Roger from Chiraca Punks is going to take off. Oh well, okay. Thank you, we Roger. Can say Thanks, Roger. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you and your community and your uh, what you do and the website and everything. Actually, yeah, I just I just shared the screen, and uh, that's our website. Uh, we're not real flashy. Uh, we we just never have been flashy. Uh, you get what you get with us. Um, the best possible minerals and nutrients that you can get for your your aquaponic system and other other things. Uh, we do have some stuff listed that we don't carry, but we try to give you the best links to those um, through other companies. That way, you can hopefully get the best prices and and the best service from them. Uh, for our community, if you want to join us, uh, Trucaponics on Facebook, um, just look for this part of the link right here or just search Trucaponics on Facebook, join us. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, and that's, that's about it. Um, sorry, I'm having to check out guys, but, uh, 
I get up at five o'clock in the morning. And that's uh, not too long from now. So what, you yeah, work for a living. Yes, I I, I work I work that? multiple jobs. <laughs> I do I do the aquaponics story <laughs> and and I, I work for an actual company. So oh yeah, my well, god, this yeah, is why you, you this is why you need to start growing. Yeah, once weed. you start a farm, like the rest you never of have a day off. You know <laughs> they uh they for for, yeah, some that reason, for some reason the company doesn't want me growing weed. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a Texas thing. Maybe it's because it's illegal in Texas still. You know. That's what I said. <laughs> but our, believe it or not, the company I work for is spread all over the United States, so they're they're in in uh, uh, states where it is legal, uh, but they still uh, they would frown upon it. So I, I I make good money with them. I don't want to lose my job. So uh, <laughs> oh, you're just saying they won't send you around on a traveling tour growing weed in other states, you know? So you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just mess with you, Rob. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I know. I know. So I, I, I really do have to sign out. I got to go finish eating. My wife made some beautiful crabs, uh, which I ate two of. Oh. And she's like, hey, can we get the rest of your crabs? I'm not bringing them to you. <laughs> so By all I, means. I've got to, that. That's actually why I'm going is because of food. Totally understandable. All right. We'll get you <laughs> hey, it was great food. to see you guys. Good to see you, Roger. Great to see you guys. Hey, Love you, uh, brother. You too, sir. You too. Uh, check us out, truckaponics.com. Uh, we will do all we can to help you. No doubt Roger will help you out too. No doubt. Uh, the the real Roger, that is. The other Roger. Roger, Roger too. Roger too. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I want to go back to being Roger Latewood. You know, like, because that's my name. Everybody knows me by. So we're going to have to get through this. I'm going to talk with Steve after the show, Roger. So we're not Roger from <laughs> True Aquaponics or roger what the fuck you know mr anybody. latewood yeah yeah i'm just to be latewood and everybody know who i am yeah mr mr latewood mr latewood yeah there you go that way you can say it's mr latewood the administrator <laughs> 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 sounds good to me <laughs> i love that guy yeah steve you got lucky meeting him and getting that all together that was a, he's a really super guy yeah hard working Yep. So, uh, we had some other questions in chat. Uh, where was it? Yeah, chat. Does anyone have a, the panel use aloe or coconut concentrate? Um, I've used both in the past. Aloe is good for your cloner. Uh, also, can be good for just the, the compost. I just use fresh. Like that. I don't know about powder. Is it, <coughs> does it work the same? Coconut milk can be freaking awesome for germinating old seeds or hard to germinate seeds. Wow. And remember that that's the water from inside of a uh, of a giant seed. Yep. So, what do you think about almond milk? Uh, I haven't tried it. Okay, because uh, they're both have, were recommended me recently. I've been thinking about it for a while, and actually tried the almond milk, and I was going to get the coconut, but the problem was that they didn't have any little bottles, and I had to get real milk in case I didn't like the almond or coconut milk, and. I didn't want to buy three half gallons of milk for myself. So, but I was trying that out, but I like that. You, so you like, well, see, there's so much, well, there you go. If I can, I still want to see Marty's grow, but, um, I, you got 15 I, minutes. You got 15 right, minutes okay. Go so right I'll, I'll, can I kill 15 minutes with my, my, I don't think anyone doubts that you can kill 15 minutes. Yeah, right, no, well, no, hey. <laughs> no, no, no. So, 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 oh, so oh we got a chat you, question. Sorry. No, no. Did you have a used aloe or coconut? Is that what you're no, talking about? 
No, you know, so I was saying I would, I've got, I could, I could go get. So I like the idea because I've got a lot of old seeds. In fact, I gave my partner my elderberry seeds this week because he's got this mad scientist thing that I used to have, where he wants to play and try everything. And he's a follower of the show, and he's been to the conference. You know, in fact, that's the guy you met in Maine. You know, that you said, hey, we had a friend from Carolina. Um, and he's turned out to be one hell of a great guy. I want to shout out for Ryan. I want to shout out for Nate and uh, Hal, who came out last week. I, I'm going to try to get Hal on the show. Uh, in fact, I'll try to get all the guys on the show one day. But, it, it, you, should, you know, um, but Hal did DNR stuff. He did aquaponics. He did algae. Um, he's done algae stuff. We had a really interesting conversation. I've uh, been very lucky to get to that. Uh, but, but coconut, see, but also I'm I, getting back to it. I've got a lot of seeds and a lot of them are old, you know? And so we always talk about that. You've got like, Chris has his way. We talked about that last week. Chris has his way of, uh, you know, soaking old seeds to try to get them going. Steve, I know that you've always, uh, you know, said that you, you know, you have these methods and you have brought back seeds that were so old, you know, that it was unbelievable that you, you got them to be viable in the end. So could we maybe uh, talk about that for a few minutes? Go wait for Marty's about not just because you talked about the one way, but now you brought up the coconut oil. I mean, the coconut oh, yeah. milk. So so if you have old seeds, you can take, go to the grocery store, buy a coconut, tap it, tap, you know, it has three little eyes on it, tap one of them with a screwdriver or take a knife and just carve it out, pour that water out and then put your seeds in that uh, and put them overnight and then pop them out and uh, uh, plant them and that can wake up old seeds. You can also and alternatively do seed sprout tea. So you can take corn or cucumbers or any other rare rapidly germinating seed uh, soak them all in water for 24 to 36 hours until they you know kick the tails out or you know send the root out uh, so to speak uh, and um, uh, take that water drain it off and then save that water and use that to put your seeds in. Now, the, the main thing that goes wrong with a seed when it's old is that the main germination hormone desiccates from, from dehydration. Uh, so you can replace that with water and by stealing that same hormone off those other seeds, re replace it. And by soaking up, you know, sitting in the water, it'll soak it up and, and replace that desiccated hormone or germination hormone. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So you like the fact, you know, because uh, we all know that you buy cucumbers and you plant them and they say it takes 55 days and you got cucumbers in 30 days. So, you know, they pop right away every day, like two days, three days, and you got, you got cucumbers going. So how would you take and use cucumbers to make that, to do that? You'll just soak the seeds until they, they pop. Okay. Well, okay. All right. All right. Oh, so you actually take cucumber seeds, not cucumbers or anything from the cucumber. Yeah, cucumber seeds. Okay, that's that's why I asked the simple questions so we can clarify things and make it so everybody knows exactly what we're going for and talking. Yeah, we had another question in chat. Well, where is it here? Does anyone try JMS in their garden? I don't mess with any of the doms. Is anyone else here? Marty, maybe. No, I've considered it. But I haven't ran anything. Yeah, I just, I, I just, there's some <laughs> issues I have with Jadam that we can go over later. 
Um, someone says, I have a question. Is labs detrimental late in flowering of cannabis? When should I stop it? Thanks. Um, I've heard quite a different, two different things, but I've heard that, you know, using it late into flower can be detrimental. So, you know, I stop it at week three or week three of flower. I just don't see, you know, short of having some other major reason to put it through the lines. I don't, I don't really see any, any reason to, to dose it. Um, if I'm doing an aquaponic system, I'll keep dosing the aquaponic system with it normally, uh, as a maintenance dose, but I won't top feed it anymore. Yeah. It's not, not recommended in, um, the probiotic farmers Alliance in their, uh, their Gokashi buckets, what were they called? I forget, the probiotic wellness gardens. <clears throat> they were the ones that we're talking about originally when I uh, saw, you know, labs, um, or in, in their case, uh, was Gokashi, which is, you know, just a Gokashi brand that they were inoculating with. And they found it to be detrimental so it was taking plants longer to finish. They weren't um, they weren't pumping out the amber trichomes as fast. So they weren't they weren't finishing up. And it was multiple people across multiple strains, and they felt like it was it was worth reporting. So Alan, who we had on the show before, um, you know, I felt like did exactly what what you should do in that situation, especially as a tester group, and they. They said, "Here's what here's what everybody's feedback is. You, you know, you should probably change what you're doing." And I, as far as I know, uh, everybody had much better luck after taking their recommendations and not feeding it late in flower. And and I'd like to so like what I'd like to add is I've always felt like uh, once you establish that bacterial network that that allows your microbial network in the living soil to thrive you did not need to continue to dose the soil with lactobacillus because it's already there i mean that's you know i might be off base but i kind of think that's what marty said kind of sort of at or what steve said you know that it doesn't need most you almost don't have to do a lot to anything once you're in the second or third week of flower in my opinion whether it be yeah i think that's i mean I, I stopped getting most things for sure and i yeah. think that yeah. um and especially in the dual root zone i think i agree with steve in that i still continue to dose labs in my aquaponic system in the tanks just not in the dual root zone uh soil layer well, I, thought and, I, I don't think you're, you're ever gonna it? be successful at at decreasing the microbial count in aquaponics too much so Okay. I don't see much of a point in trying in, in stopping adding it to the beds when you get such a, you know, quality, uh, or I guess so many benefits from adding it to your, your main system. I would, I still continue to do it. So even though I'm not top dressing it into the soil layer of my dual root zone pots, I still feed it to my fish like once a week. Now, I thought that Steve just said he didn't do that, or was it you talking about soil, Steve? Because you don't usually talk about just soil. I explicitly said I, I continue to dose the aquaponic system. So oh, you okay, I'm sorry. I was okay, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. My apologies, my friend. My apologies. Water, no, it's all good. Yeah, the water we always dose as part right, of the main. Because you want to keep the fish. You, all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. as far as a soil or any kind of deal where you're using a microbial network in the subsoil, you know, uh, you know, you you would stop like anything else. Like you like 
you don't I know you can use lactobacillus as a foliar, but you never foliar spray anything late in flower. You know, yeah, maybe two to three weeks at most and never, ever spray anything on them unless it's an, yeah, well, I'd, I'd say never because if you get a pest Water. control issue in week mm-hmm. six, you've lost your crop or, you know, whatever. It's not about, if you spray shit on it, it's not going to help. You're, you're just going to make everything taste like shit, you know, so. I mean, I, I've. I've used, I've sprayed water on my outdoor plants before. Oh, well, water, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's... so, but that, that's about it. And, and even <laughs> then, you kind of have to be careful too if you're heavy in flower and you've got three days worth of rain coming up and super high humidity, you probably don't want to hose your plants down because you don't, you know, you're going to have mold issues probably. Anything longer than 72 hours of continuous rain, I feel like you're going to be at risk for mold. So you don't want to continue that at all. So Oh, that's another good point. But yeah, that goes without saying late in flower. If you get three days of rain and they all get drenched, those inner <laughs> pockets in the buds and all that. Oh man. That's yeah. called harvest it's a, day. <laughs> it's called it's called breaking your freaking heart. You know, some people I mean, some people will harvest even like even before the rain starts just because they don't want it to be wet, but well, you exactly. Know, I, and you might that's probably a good idea, my friend. Yeah, that's probably I don't idea. know. I you know, because obviously they're they're cutting their their yield and their overall product to a certain extent. So I don't know. It's always such a tough decision to get, you know, to be in. And so, you know, that kind of goes back to my, my outdoor debate too. Like, yeah, I do want to grow monster plants and aquaponics and that, that would be really cool. But at the same time, it's a lot to manage and deal with. And uh, um, so it, it comes with its own set of concerns. So I may still end up just, putting in the light dab just so it's more manageable. I guess the bottom line is, you know, you do the best you can and you try to adhere to the best policies and methods of growing that you can, and you're still going to get screwed occasionally because you just can't control everything. And if you're outdoors, especially indoors, I think you can control things pretty damn much. Um, but outdoors is where you get the big sweet bud with the sun. You cannot touch the sun. You know, I mean, we can argue all day. Some people, I remember when I first started almost 20 years ago and people were arguing about indoor, outdoor and all that. And yeah, you can grow killer shit indoor and you go, but you can never grow a several pound tree indoors. (laughs) you'll be lucky if you can get a pound off a plant indoors and you're gonna have to be a really good grower with really you need a really tall ceiling i think that's really that too you have to have you know or and and no matter what a really long veg time i think we had this question come up in uh good point yeah um we had this question come up in maybe it was in this group or i can't remember either the aquaponic growers group or the pfa which is a newer grower that was asking, you know, kind of like how big he should grow his plants in the space that he has, you know, and so we were talking about how, you know, the stretch that happens once you switch the flower, you know, so you want them about, you know, especially if you've never grown it before, you want to grow them to about, <laughs> as, you know, about half as tall as you want them to be overall. So if you've got five feet of growth space, when they get to two and a half feet tall, you want to flip them into flower, unless you're training them or doing something different to a net. Yeah, you know, that kind of situation. I'm a big so, fan of breaking the top when the sativa gets too tall. I just go break and and no matter over. whether you're you're growing you're you're growing that plant out vertically or horizontally, right? Uh, 
it doesn't really matter. You're still going to have to have a much longer veg time. So especially for new growers, I recommend that you grow twice as many plants half as long. <laughs> so you have much shorter plants in the same area that you turn over in a much faster time and a much shorter veg and it's easier to be able to, to manage. And then, so that's the same, the same here. So for me, it's just, uh, uh, you know, the, the personal challenge of, of, you know, I knew I, I grew some pretty good size outdoor plants and I knew I could grow a lot bigger ones. And so, you know, like there's definitely part of me that wants to do that. So we'll, we'll see who wins, I guess. We're still dabbing it out. And, and see when Marty talks about the, um, like the veg time. All right. So the old school way of growing, you veg for, once you had your seedling, you got your sprouts and your seedlings and they were ready to be transplanted into the veg room. You veg for two months and you can definitely grow a pound on a plant inside with the right methods and the right plant too. Cause if you're growing an indica, you're liable not to get a pound, but if you're growing to some massive sativa and you're willing to train it, or super crop it or whatever you can, and uh, and and uh, yeah, see, uh, yeah, I did, uh, I, yeah, now I lost my train of thought, but but um, where I was going, but the whole point was that um, we were talking indoor outdoor. I'm sorry, I lost you. Yeah, I've lost it. <laughs> That's all right. I think we were we were talking about veg times. So so oh, that's what exactly what I want to talk about. So I know that even my own company, um, they they well, all right, it's not my own company. I work for my own company. All right, um, they they show a growth schedule where, and this is typical of today. Like well, this is what Marty's talking about. They tell you like you start your seeds and then you veg them. For, or like you do a starting solution or whatever for a couple weeks, then you veg them for two weeks. So a month from seed, you're flowering them, you know, where right. a lot of, most of your more uh, experienced growers are now vegging. They're getting their sprouts and their seedlings, and then they're transplanting their seedlings to veg, and they're vegging for a month because they're indoors. And so indoor growing, people have gone to where they're vegging for a month. And then they're flowering uh, for, you know, well, I go, I harvest by trichomes. A lot of people, I, I still know a lot of people that say, okay, my eight weeks is up. I'm harvesting Tuesday. And I go, okay, you know, and they all, but see, they're all happy. And you know what? All I care about is everybody has good, healthy plants. They get their harvest. And if they're happy, they're happy. Yeah. I mean, you they can don't want to know. The grower's going to harvest. I mean, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to cut when they're going to cut, you know, so. Right. But we all know we harvest by trichomes, by what medicine? I do. I mean, or I think we're growing resin, right? Like, or you know, no, I'm you not. We're, I'm we're not. growing tri trichomes. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what we're we're doing, not plant material. Um, you or know, a resin so. factory. And yeah, I, but but yeah. still, I'm glad you bring that point up because I've had to bring at. that. I've had it's funny bringing that up. You know, when you're trying to explain to people what's going on, you, you know, the bottom of the line at the end of the day. If you're a commercial operation, even if you're a home operation, you're a resin factory. You, you know, that's that's what you're sure. after. You don't care about anything else about that plant. Yeah, you know, like especially if you're like gonna do any type of extraction process, even uh, you know, I feel like the uh but even that meter, can change the meter has moved and it's not necessarily about uh your your total plant 
matter yield anymore. Right. If you're, yeah. A lot of that might just end up getting composted after it gets squished or extracted <laughs> or washed or whatever else, you know, like it, in the end, it can just be plant material and not have a, a, a ton of, of resin on it, a ton of trichomes in it, a ton of cannabinoids in it, the stuff that you, the terpenes, the things that you want to smoke that make you feel different, that medicate you, that make you feel better, that treat your cancer, that whatever it is, like all of those different things are all, are all in the trichomes. Like that's, that's just the, the end all be all of it. So I think that uh, just the plant material itself, eventually we're hopefully moving away from, or at least understanding that it's not necessarily all, all about that. And you don't just have to grow giant buds that you can trim up and sell in bags. Like, yes, that's definitely possible and great. And I'm a big flower guy. I have bags of flower right behind me. I don't have any issue with it, but what makes those all of those different types of flower distinct are all those things that I just talked about. Their levels of terpenes and cannabinoids. It's still, it's you're still resin farming even if you're just consuming it as flour. Because I don't want to smoke a bunch of plant material and a tiny amount of resin either. That's, you know, I think a lot of people have experienced that, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes can literally be a headache. So I'd like to stress something resin. you said if I can. Um, uh, is that and with that said what well I, I was hoping to get back a couple minutes ago but you were talking about the trichomes and here's the thing so when you're doing resin it also is your resin is I mean your trichomes are important to monitor and know what they're at because if you're doing for medicine even if it's for all right well all right now Steve and, and Marty may argue about it because I'm not a resin guy at this point so but I know about it. I've got all my friends do it. I've got a clue. But what I'm saying is that if you're looking at medicine versus getting high, or maybe, and this is later on, I want you to address this as far as the production of the resin, you guys. But all right, so if you want more of a medical CBD type thing, you would hire, you would, you would harvest with, you know, uh, very little color, but some cloudiness in your and you, or even no cloudiness, the pr presence of trichomes for your CBD higher levels, because CBD levels deteriorate as the THC levels um, grow stronger, you know, accumulate more, and then eventually deteriorate, which turns into amber trichomes. So you've got your different three stages of where your medicine could be. So that's what I wanted to inject in, in what you were saying was, yes, you might be going for resin. And, I, and again, now you can address what you like your trichomes to be for everybody. But what I was saying is that knowing that we have, you know, we all know that you can take a THC plant and if you're willing to ingest some THC, you can get stronger CBD by harvesting it earlier. You know, and I'll, I, I was going to say something about the guys that harvest earlier, uh, harvest earlier to get out of the rain, but that's just common sense. So what do you think about that, guys? Uh, I mean, I know you agree with me. I'm pretty sure you all agree with me, but I, I don't know about the resin production being, is it as prevalent with um, 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 you know, when the trichomes are younger? you know, before the THC starts to take over. Do you find that that's a val uh, viable argument that 
if you want CBD medicine as opposed to THC high, you could do your resin earlier. Well, yeah, no, we've talked about that when we had uh, yeah, but, on the show about harvesting one to two weeks earlier than you normally right, would. Right, but we're kind of going through a bunch of different things. So, you know, yep. trying to help everybody. Yeah. Yep. See, I believe that. Okay. So we're, all right. Sorry. I thought that was a part, you know, prevalent because sometimes people don't watch every podcast or they won't go back and find everything. And we got into this perfect conversation about, you know, like you guys are all, like you say, the resin factory. See, I just wanted to say that we still have to look out for those people that aren't doing resin, which is a lot of people are still not doing resin. I mean, there's a assload of people in your community. No, no, no. Well, no, no, it's not. It's about you're trying to grow the resin to get high. It's not about rosin. It's about, anyways. So, um, Mar Marty, uh, I think Marty is switching over to his grow room now. Oh, and cool. I've been working uh, here on the farm, just getting our five acres ready. We had a surprise state inspection today, right before I was recording an episode with the Growcast, which will be live. I don't know when he's going to post it, but to definitely be sure to check out the Growcast. Um, uh, had a really good time as always talking with him, talking shop, talking Africa, talking uh, talking aquaponics. So that was a lot of fun. And then it was also over on the Do Grow Show. If you want a tour of the of one of the buildings where I'm at right now, you can go check out the Do Grow Show for a tour of that. Uh, we go over a whole bunch of cool stuff, and um, we were over there on Tuesday, so that was a lot of fun. So definitely, uh, um, you know, support those guys. They're both friends of the show. Uh, they support us. We love to support them. Uh, if you don't listen to them already, the Growcast or the Do Grow Show, and you enjoy this show, be sure to check them out. Uh, they, they definitely support us, and we love to support them. Uh, you know, our, our cannabis education community loves to support each other. And, uh, you know, all of us collectively are helping fight our number one enemy of our industry, which is education. So, or lack thereof, mainly. But we're trying. There's we try, a lot of yeah. people no, out there trying. We're, we're and... pretty bad at it, but we do. We give it a stab every week. Oh, that's bullshit. Well, you know what? So, Steve has put together a thing he did, him and Marty, and it grew to where we have all been brought together in this uh, effort to help people out and, and share the knowledge. <clears throat> got a great, in my opinion, we got a great team and a great moderator. And there's nothing you can do to take away from that, Steve. You, you know, uh, we don't know everybody doesn't agree with us all the time. That's for sure. But there's no doubt about how strong this team is and the people that we've that Steve. Well, I say we because we've all been here for three or four years. Um, I, I believe that this show has introduced people all over the world to some great experts and people that are very knowledgeable and on a widespread basis and never controlled by tunnel vision. So that, I've said my piece. Yeah, and I, I'll, one last thing I want to mention real quick before we cut back to Marty is uh, I'm working on a, a series of classes out here in Oklahoma. Um, we're not going to make any uh, uh, announcements yet until we have everything set in stone, but we have some really cool people that I'll be teaching a, a series of classes with. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think you guys are going to really like it. The people that have been on the show before, uh, and some pretty big names, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll do maybe a, a couple of different classes at the end of the year, two or three, 
that we'll have with some pretty big names aside from myself and we have a super cool place to host it at so uh, i think anyone is out there is looking to take an aquaponic cannabis class especially internationally uh you're going to be really loving what we're going to be uh cooking up here so um stay tuned and we'll have more information on that and then marty and i are also working on that long format video version of the course that we teach together uh in order to um uh get you guys a, a solid version that's out there we have a lot of cool video content both him and i have both recorded that we're editing into it and uh it's coming along nicely it's probably i mean it's taking us longer than we had hoped but it's coming out a lot cooler and a lot more in depth than we had both hoped as well so i think everyone's going to be really happy with it when we're finally done and uh, I'll take it over to Marty here, showing us some wonderful plants over here. Tell us about what's going on. Yeah, so I'm just out here in the flower room. Got uh, a few different beds here. <clears throat> Each one of these plants kind of has a different size, uh, different size pot, different kind of mix. So a few different little setups, but these two beds here in the middle are kind of mostly the same mix that I was kind of expecting to do the best. And for the most part, that's been true. But you can see some of the differences here, like, uh, like this one here is a little, little thicker, but it also has um, some of these, almost looks like it's fox tailing on the very top. I feel like it's real thin up there. <clears throat> And uh, some of those are a little lighter on potassium than like this one here. As you can see is a little bushier and thicker. And this, this is the same same cut from the same strain. And uh, this is a little bit bigger pot with oh. a little bit more potassium. We had a question from chat. What strains are you growing in there? I couldn't hear you, Steve. What was that? What strains? Oh, this is Thorsberry, both Thorsberry right here. So that's a, a cross of, uh, what is it? Critical Kush, Sour Diesel, and uh, DJ Short's Blueberry, I believe. But don't, don't hold me to it. <laughs> so you can see here again, this is a larger pot with a little bit more potassium and you've got the, the bigger fuller buds without that Fox tailing over the top. Okay, so why don't the, you, Marty, what, wait a minute, stop. All right, so now you had three different size pots. Why don't you tell people what your small pot that had fox tailing to the second pot that didn't have it as bad. Now this one, that's a bigger pot that is not fox tailing at all. I, can, I couldn't quite make out what you're saying, Roger. What, too much. Right, so Break what down the three pot? different pot sizes and the differences. Yes. Oh, so yeah, here, this one is a, was a five, five gallon maybe. Okay, and what was the foxtailing pot size? On the other side, right? Or, That's oh. this one down here. Okay, so what is that? What size is that? Uh, it's ha half the size. I think that's a, that might a even two, be a two gallon. A two or three? Okay, and what was the mm -hmm. one that you said was pretty good? So it got to be a three gallon. So it has to be a two, a three, and a five. So it's kind of right in between. I think that's oh, that a three like or a three and a half. How deep is your hydrogen? Um, well, I just pulled a bunch of stuff out and we're getting ready to put a bunch of stuff back in. 
So you can see the water level is a little low. Normally, it's up a little higher. You can see the water right now. So okay, okay. I just wonder but how deep pulled, is that pot, though. Look, I just pulled a whole bunch of lettuce out of there. But normally like these a... are eight inch deep, <clears throat> and uh, the pots are down in. Okay. I don't know, maybe uh, maybe two and a half, three inches. It looks like now is that pot smaller than the one next to it in the middle? This one here in the middle. Yeah, it looks bigger than the one on the end. These two are the same size. Oh, they are. Okay, damn that. Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, I this can't. One, I, uh, maybe it's, I can't tell because of the picture how wide they are. So, well, well how I, wide are your bed? Zoom kind of messes up the quality too. Well, what? Well, well how wide is your bed? Because you only have an inch on each side. How wide is your bed? I it's mean, eighteen your, inches wide. Your oh your bed I mean your bed is eighteen inches yep. wide. Bed's That's a pretty big fucking pot. Okay, that's nice though, brother. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, you always had some pretty stuff what you got out of it, but I have never seen the mass that you're accumulating with your new system in there doing what you're doing. Um, I've never seen you have this kind of growth in the years I've been with you guys. And, you know, as far as math, Yeah, just to, just to have more room has definitely, definitely been nice. It looks like you didn't, uh, like, uh, it didn't look, it looks like you didn't prune your plants as low down as you have it sometimes in the past either. It appears sometimes. to me like you have a much, see, which I like, because I don't like raping the plants on the bottom a lot. So the, I got a few. Um, Go I got a few testers like that too. So this one is not, and this one is lollipop, or this one is not lollipop, and this one over here is. And kind of the same thing here and over there on the other one, you can see. So I've got some both ways. All right. So show us the tops of the first stuff. two. Show us the tops of the one that's lollipop and the top of the canopy that's. So this one's lollipop. Yep. Turn to the right. There we go. And this one over here is not. Hmm. Okay. I think you're going to learn a lot there. I, I believe that's going to teach people a lot too. And both ways work. It's all what you're comfortable with. I'm not, I'm not chastising or saying anything's wrong or right because everybody's going to grow their own way in the end. Well, we're trying to do is help you. And Yeah. Uh, and really my expectations as far as like bud size and stuff were, we're pretty low considering I'm only, uh, you know, really only consuming 330 watts per plant or just under 4,000 watts for the entire room. So it, uh, I, I didn't have super high expectations for it, but mm. it seems to be filling out pretty well on most of the, most of the ones that, that I thought would. And, and interesting enough, like I mentioned the one that just had castings and I'm just kind of leaving it alone. So this is my like, don't, don't touch it plant. <laughs> so you can see it's still got some hanging down there. I did lollipop it, as you can see. Yeah. So I went through and lollipopped it all, but there's no amendment, it doesn't get any tea, um, none of that stuff. Why? And it's dropping dropping leaves a lot like crazy. So it's definitely yellowing out. But in terms of flowering, it looks pretty good. Here I'll, I'll go over there closer. <laughs> well, just out of curiosity, why don't you tell people why you're doing that? I mean, because well, you can look at other plants. Personally, it looks like you got a ass load of weed growing there, and you're in week five, you said. So you got four to ten, four to four to six weeks left. 
you're gonna have ass load of footage, you know, so. Yeah, I, you know, like I think for me really, it was just a matter of like seeing, uh, seeing how much different some of the amendments that we add make. And I didn't, uh, I've always just kind of wanted to do it and I never really had the space. I could only grow like six plants before and now I can, I can grow more than that. So that helps out a lot. So you can see this one has amendments and this one is just casting. So even though it looks relatively unhealthy, it is still growing flowers. Well, so are you, could, could we surmise this from nothing. this? this oh, like, uh, this is Mr. So, Green so, style. So that plant would also be some, more similar to like if you had grown something with just a media bed and didn't supplement it at all. You know, it just has that plus yep. production, nitrogen basically. Yeah, so when you see other people out there that are growing in just media beds, that's that's more or less what they're growing. And we, Marty and I, and we haven't shown this probably, Marty and I have actually seen some pictures of people doing just media beds, and this is more or less what their stuff looks like. It doesn't stack up like you can see on the other side. Now flip over to the other one and look at the node spacing and the density yeah, on that. Yeah. Look how nice and tight those are. That's what you're looking at, you know, when you do that. And if you look at some of the pictures I posted of the stuff that we have here at Argro, Again, the node spacing is just stacks on stacks on stacks. Yeah, it all looks freaking awesome. That's what I was saying. Uh, on the on the on the lollipop stuff, what I was saying, it almost appears as if you're doing that because you feel like you're sacrificing quantity for a grow method. You feel like, well, it must be for making some really strong medicine. That's all I can see because you definitely don't have the yield when you lollipop. Or are you just finally saying? This is one last try at this, but I'm thinking that you um, have a positive reason for doing it, which may be because you can create some fantastic medicine out of those less uh, less yield, but you know, fine buds. I'm not sure. So, yeah, I think that ideally it's finding like I don't I want to find a balance on just about everything. So, for the most part, like I don't I don't mind a little bit of yellowing. Even, even starting relatively early in flower, especially in aquaponic systems, because it, it, it's telling me my nitrogen isn't out of control, which is you know, usually like the number oh, one thing. So That's one, you know, it I, also I tells you that the plant's using up what it's available in the leaves, and that's a good thing. Right, so a plant that has a heavier nitrogen mix in its soil, is gonna look more like this one. You can see it's got uh, the curl there that you, you kind of see. Now this curl is a little exaggerated because this plant is between lights, so it's kind of folding over itself. Oh, okay. But yeah. you can also see the dark olive-colored leaves are also another, uh, you know, sign of too much nitrogen, as opposed to this plant right next to it, which is, uh, you know, not nearly as olive-colored, and you can see it's got heavier, thicker buds, and it looks like it's farther along in flowering, in my opinion. So I, I think my personal opinion, this plant, you can see the, the larger node links in there. So it's, it's definitely not gonna yield as much. Yeah, it's a lot thinner, yeah, a lot thinner. Yeah. It looks so, so deep, for me, this like is all just an exercise in, in understanding plant growth, growing new strains in a new system. And uh, <clears throat> I wanted to do a variety of different things and then I'll, I'll duplicate what worked the best so next time it'll look a lot more like the stuff i think you All might have to choose two 
Yeah, I'm a, you might have to split it two to one to one, you know, comparison next time. Cause and I did, you know, I feel feel pretty good. I, I planted these two beds with most of what I thought would be successful and that and that's been pretty true. Yeah. So that that turned out. Like I said, we'll most fantastic grow I've ever seen from you. You know, that I've seen since you got cut off from the outdoors, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, the outdoor was was really great. And so Obviously, I've learned a lot having to do indoor, yeah. but it's uh, it's been fun, yeah. and and I like it. I I like the the setup, getting in and out, working in here. Look at kind that! Of like, like the Holy whole thing. Crap. People are drooling all over the world right now after watching the show. <laughs> They're like, man, I wish I could. For, have for as little power as I'm consuming, I, I'm I'm gonna be pretty happy with the yield, I think. But you never know until you're done. We'll, we'll see. Do you I have, have uh, estimate a, on your electrical usage on that kind of 4,000 watt system you got going? Yeah, so uh, 4,000 watts is, is 4,000 watts regardless of what it is. But uh, this is another cost. Oh, so, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to separate out from the rest of my, I have a lot of, a lot of people around and a lot of showers getting taken. I have kind of a little <laughs> tribe here, so I don't know exactly how much is just power use, but if you just run the, the numbers on 4,000 watts and, and how much it costs, uh, usually you get charged per kilowatt hour. Um, in some places, power is cheaper at night, so run your lights at night like I do, and yeah, it also yeah, helps yeah, your temperature, too. so that definitely helps. But I would say it's probably somewhere between 300 and $350 a month just for the lights. Okay, so I would say for thousand watt light, which is what I was going to come back at you with, is could be fifty to a hundred bucks depending on where you live. I live in a place where electricity's cheap because we have a co-op that everybody that has electricity is a member, so we get a lot. They really work at keeping our lights down, but I could say it goes at least twice as much as I pay, and I would say a thousand watt grow room for me runs around fifty bucks a month. So in a more expensive place on the West Coast or or in a city, you'd look at a hundred dollars. Like you said, so for four thousand, so you could be hundred dollars, or it could be down to two hundred bucks. Where he's generally allowed between, you know, eighteen to fifty a month, depending on your your kilowatt per hour. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So so so, so that's not. That's not bad because you're going to get a lot more than 400 yeah. well that's 4 months, 6 yeah. months, 200 $2400 to have that grow room running. So we so. had a question from chat, what kind of lights are you using? There you go. So these are um they are 400 watt high bay lights um that were originally for metal halide and I put in ceramic metal halide conversion lamps. So they're 330 watt which is what, what they're consuming is 330 watts each. So it's like a 315 watt ceramic metal halide, but just a little little more juice to it is all. Uh, I think you have a, another light you got, um, an LED or something? I do. Yeah, I have an LED light. I do not have it up yet. And uh, <clears throat> I want to wait until the next run because I didn't feel like it was fair to put it up halfway through a run 
that that's just kind of how how it ended up so i got it about two weeks in the flower and i if i would have put it up right away i think it would have been okay because then it would have been like most of the time but uh so now i'm gonna wait till the next run and so i Marty, will do so my mars actually offered to send me one as well so we're gonna run one um i'm going to uh poke spectrum king i thought it might be fun since the last time we did a, a side by side, yeah. uh, we did Spectrum King won the side by side, so we thought maybe it'd be fun to do a reigning champion against the Mars Hydro. So yeah, uh, I'm down. And then we'll I do make have sure the... that we have a. We'll make sure that I get. I'm gonna get the Mars Hydro, and I'm gonna get whatever is the similar wattage one that SK has. Be it the you know um, in order to make sure it's a, a fair fight. Yeah, and then I thought it'd be cool. <laughs> Yeah, That's and real quick, just shout out to Mars Hydro. They've been super flexible, totally understood, you know, like with all the different concerns everybody has going on. Um, and, you know, I, I told them, I was like, man, I just don't really want to want to put it out right now. They were like, That's fine. No, no worries. Um, it was really easy to get the light. There was no no problems. They've been, been really nice. Mars uh, has been hassling me for over a year to do it. So yeah i think as well just about they, so mars, just been, mars has some cool. interesting stuff that's real cheap and i've seen some really good grows because you know what on our website there's hundreds of guys that bought mars hydro if that's what you're talking about and i've got a couple of entry because i bought them because i had so many people on the forum buying them so i mean if you want to teach people how to grow and that's what they're buying you have to get them yourself and uh, I found them to be okay. Uh, I mean, I, okay, we can argue all the specifics and this and that. But again, I go into grow methods mean more than lighting. Lighting, I mean, we can argue about that all day. Lighting is great. We also, because you can't beat the sun. So if you have the sun, it's all real easy, sort of. But if, you, if you're going to the lights, I have found, and I hate, you know, I've always been quiet about this because of our friends at other companies um but i honestly think that you might enjoy the grow uh i think they got some interest they they came out and they did the same they did what they were smart they made an available light that grew pretty decent weed for a real inexpensive price and i know hundreds of people i can show you grow journals upon grow journals of mars hydro and mars hydro uh versus quantum boards and one of my personal best friends is also builds his own lights and boards. And we've got our own thing in the works. Um, but uh, he taught me a lot about, about that. And he also helped me compare with the other companies that are out there where he said, they use this and they use this. And he showed me that we can get the same thing. Uh, but I think you're going to have an, I'll, I'll stop now. And because all I wanted to say is, even though Mars Hydro came out and it was uh, like almost like, you know, a lot of us experts looked at it like a joke, tons of people bought their lights and tons of people have grown some really good medical cannabis with their lights. So um, I, 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 I yield. Oh, Marty, I did start out with a 40 bay a 400 watt high bay light that like the kind you had in a gas station. And I got yeah. it for 40 bucks on eBay 
you know, 17, 16, 17 years ago. So my the first last two... was a 400 watt high bay. And then I bought a Sunmaster lamp that had red enhancement, you know, uh, a metal halide with red enhancement and stuff like that. And and my first uh, second light was a diamond, self-contained diamond, self-contained hood, 250 watt HPS. And I used them both. So my first few grows, that's what I had, a 400 watt high bay and a 250. You can usually buy them. You know, they use them in shops and horse arenas and all right, right. gymnasiums and all kinds of shit. And then uh, so I bought I, I bought a bunch of them used off of Craigslist. And then I bought the lamps. I bought a 12 pack of them off of eBay. Um, I bought I think I bought two 12 packs. Anyway, it worked out for all 12 lights and all 12 lamps. It was like thirty or thirty-five dollars each, including the price of the lamp, the, the the fixture. Yeah, the fixture and the lamp. Together. Wow, that's pretty. Yeah, so yeah, you bought them, but that's guys. There you go. If you're if you want ceramic metal halide, I mean, it's a it's a pretty cheap way to get in the door for sure. And and the thing is, is you can find these still to this day because there's. Yeah. These are the same lights that when you go in the gas station, it's all lit up at night and you get gas. That's a 400 watt metal halide high bay over your head. They and give them away too. Like I find them on like the fixtures you sometimes the last couple that I got for the bedroom, they, they were just giving them away because they had to replace them. So, <laughs> well, oh, well, sometimes you get lucky. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do. And then Phillips makes the conversion bulb. Um, yeah. Or the conversion lamp, I should say, and uh, I think it's a C Philips CDM All Start or something like that is the name of it. Awesome, but, uh, just the right Google CMH conversion, three hundred and thirty watt. You can find it most places. And keep online. in mind, Marty did something that most people don't say. It's not a bulb; it's a lamp. The lamp is the bulb, or you know, whatever the, and the fixture is your is your. We had a ballast, you know. We had a question from chat. Do you do you have a favorite cultivar in aquaponics, and have you had any good luck with Malawi outdoors and OK? Uh, <laughs> or you you had mentioned having good luck with Malawi outdoors in Oklahoma. Where did you source them? Pure crosses? How late to harvest? So I guess Marty, let's do the first one. Uh, what's your favorite cultivar in aquaponics? I'll let Marty go first. Oh man, that is a tough one. Um, blue cheese was amazing which was a uk cheese cross with dj shorts blueberry uh that was that was just definitely crowd pleaser wow. looked great smelled great uh smoked great had a great high uh pretty much everything across the board so it, it was a great one and, and was a good producer too um Gosh, what else? Uh, the cookies, the form cut cookies. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big cookies guy in general, and like other cookies that I, that I've had from like the dispensary or a couple of friends who grew it was pretty good, but it just it turned out really well. Shishka berry, I would say it did really well. It'll look terrible towards the end, but <laughs> it, it it's okay. Um, in the end product here, it's just uh, is that more sativa type plant did you find it to be more sativa i would say 
Because yeah. when it when they kind of look pitiful sometimes because they're sativa, but what you get out of it is like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that those you know those those traits can come from that side for sure. I don't think that uh, I've seen too many other ones that fade as fast or as hard as shishka berry does, and it starts early too, so that makes sense. It'll it'll uh, pop tree flowers within 48 hours of switching your lights, like just that fast. Wow. <clears throat> it's, it, it's light triggers almost immediate. So it starts flowering early and, uh, and fades really hard. So really fun to grow, really fun colors. I wouldn't say it's a super big yielder. Probably right. the biggest yielder I had was Starfighter OG. So I would have to say if you're, if you're after a yield, you might go for some of those larger, larger yielding ones. So yeah, I don't know. I I like a bunch of them. Let's see, what else have I grown? Starfighter <laughs> was really good. Shishkar was really good. Um, Jackarar, that was that was really good. Really piney, what the a different what, flavor. Tell people about the characteristics of Jackarar. <clears throat> It's kind of, it's really piney, the, at least the cut that I had, um, it, it was, I want to say it was like pine saw, but it was very, very pungent um, and had really cool fall colors. It almost turned like a rust color on the shade leaves. So not really purple or yellow. It was really like a really rust red, uh, reddish color. So that was, that was really cool in the, just the, it was really mellow. It was probably like one of my favorite things to just like smoke at night and listen to music. And I don't know, for me, it was, uh, it was just really distinct flavor because of, of so much of the pine aspect to it. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I think people wonder sometimes, they've heard so much about it, but usually you just read a description and I've never found that description on any, even, I, you know, I hate to say it, but even sometimes our descriptions, I don't, I, you know, I, I think it's true or to an extent, and I think it's how you grow, how you grow your, your environment and everything. So a lot of times we go and look at a seed bank and we say, oh, oh yeah, that's what I want. But if you don't grow it, you know, like, like whoever made that, you know, or whatever characteristics are in general to a plant. Uh, not necessarily reproduced by you unless you grow it in a certain way. I mean, sometimes that cultivar can be that strong where you get it, but good grow methods in the end will get you everything you can out of a plant. Yeah, and I think you can definitely get, a, you know, different genetic expression. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially if you have more than, <clears throat> more than one phenotype, you know, if you have access to seeds or you know, sometimes you, the clones you get will be from different phenotypes, you know, kind of depends on the nursery and, and how they're running things, but you could get clones from a nursery that just happen to be different phenotypes. Well, could you attribute and, that maybe to cross-pollination because they have a nursery and maybe they got plants over here and maybe cross-pollinated something, or do you just think that's, uh, I think we all think that a cannabis plant can do whatever it wants, but I'm just making conversation. Yeah, I mean, you can cross pollination, you know, it's definitely going to cause variation, you know, like a whole new strain kind of variation. <laughs> yeah, so citrus, speaking of which, we're, uh, 
We have some citrus mac and some uh, mango. I think is it mango mac or guava mac and citrus mac that we're going to be crossing with some stuff. So that'll be our sherbet mac, sherbet mac and mango mac or sherbet mac and something else mac that we're going to be crossing with some other cool stuff. Alaskan grape and citrus sap and a couple of others. So we'll, we'll see how those come out. So that'll be the, the next uh, breeding round here. They're supposed to all be sweet. So uh, six phenos of THC bomb in chat. Um, that's the biggest colas I've ever gotten on a single plant. We're on THC bomb. Huh. Got a great the, chat tonight. The conversion, bolts are 300, or the conversion bulbs are 330 watts. Somebody was asking in chat. I know normal ceramic metal halides are 315, but if you want to do the conversion to the high bay, it's three 330. Okay, so are the conversions for the Thales 660 then? Uh, for the 660, or no, so for a thousand watt, I think it's a nine, 930 or something like that, 915 okay. maybe, or some weird number like that, I can't remember. Some weird number. <clears throat> but they do have a thousand watt conversion that's, it's pretty expensive, and uh, I'm, I don't have any thousand watt conversions it would be need to be a magnetic ballast um right yeah someone in chat says uh what about our ceramic metal halide gives some uvb2 yeah that's absolutely correct uh just remember uva and uvb uvb in particular uh if you're growing cbd that's not going to help you 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 do not want uvb if you're growing cbd in particular it will decrease your cbd expression and increase your thc expression unless it is a type 3 chemovar that is up you know the double double turned on cbd cult of uh gene and not and and, and a double turned off thc so um if you do not have a very specific chemovar type that that UVB will actually decrease your CBD and increase your THC in testing. So, so stay away from those if you are doing CBD specifically, unless you really know what you're doing with the genetics. Yeah, and I saw somebody in chat was talking about, um, Mr. D's Nugs was talking about that metal halide don't get hot like HPS. Metal halide don't get as hot, but specifically ceramic metal halide doesn't get as hot um, as either one of them. And uh, like even those metal hoods down there, I could reach up and 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 touch the hood, and it it would be warm, maybe you know, cool to warm to the touch. Um, those are kind of aluminum. They're aluminum, aren't they? I mean, yeah, they're aluminum, aluminum but yeah. it, they would still. If that was a, it's like a heat HPS light, it would be hot. Um, whereas a ceramic metal halide is not anywhere close to that uh, temperatures. So. Really, the the less wattage that you're consuming. So instead of 400 watts, you're consuming 70 less watts. Most of, of that is heat reduction because you get a similar amount of light output. So you're really just cutting out, you know, I would say 25 watts of heat per light in, in the room. So you feel like it's a trade-off, a little less heat, and uh, the plant will function better. You know, in a cool well, you, you definitely, less heat means less cooling that you have to put into the room and overall power you have to worry about. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. And ceramic metal halide gives you a nice white uh, light as opposed to a regular metal halide it can be pretty blue. And that's why you see them used in veg 
more often. So a ceramic metal halide is going to give you more of a white light, um, like Full a white spectrum. LED. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think everybody's out there loving that for sure. Um, yeah, but see, and you, I love the way we talk about we look at things differently. Because what you said to me was, you know, like so, <laughs> and it means the same thing, exactly what you said. But to me, it means I'm sacrificing a little power to keep my heat down, which will make the grow more efficient, you know. And then you said cheaper, you know. But first, I always look at just controlling the environment is number one and the cost of doing business is the cost of doing business. So we just- well, I think for it. efficiency, you could argue that spending a little bit of money on a little bit more power to get some, a lot more yield, at some point that makes sense, but it doesn't really matter for me because I, I didn't want to run HBS and have to worry about uh, putting in AC and everything right now. I'm, I'm running really well with just exhaust fan and inlet fan. And uh, and then I do have air conditioning that runs up upstairs here in the office and the entire building is insulated. So I'm, I'm hoping that by consuming so much fewer watts, I won't have to worry about putting AC directly in the flower room. So we'll, we'll see how it goes though. It's been good so out. far. It's got up to like 80, 85 at night or something like that here one night we got really That's not bad all night 85 at night oh well wait a minute so it, it was pretty warm for nighttime and uh and it still held up pretty well so my only concern is if the humidity ends up swinging from having the fans on so much that's so. where i'd want to do we'll it goes. in that case you know, the monitoring you. system's been working really well though for you guys that were interested in that i talked about the the uh um weather station and automated grow plugs. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So it's been going good. I can adjust it as needed. So I've dropped the humidity settings a little bit as I got later into flower. And yeah, it was really easy. Logged in, changed everything. And uh, keeps everything in check pretty well. So if you guys are looking for a, a cheap and dirty way to do a, a grow monitor, it was. Uh, it was pretty easy. I think it was 125 bucks for the weather station from Ambient Weather, and then like 25 bucks for four plugs from GoSun. Wow! And so that measures your heat and humidity. Is that what you're saying? Temperature and humidity, and then it uses a, a web platform, so like reports to a web page, and then if it uh, has rules, so like if my temperature goes above uh, 89 degrees then it turns on the exhaust fan. Or if the humidity rises above 75 degrees, then turn off the, then turn on the exhaust fan. And if it right, goes down below, uh, you know, 68% humidity, then turn it back off. And same for, same for temperature. Right, 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 yeah. That's uh, similar to different, uh... Uh, and what's cool is you can use the same sensor for, for both fans and you can use temperature and humidity both controls. So it doesn't matter which one turns it on or which one turns it off. If the temperature gets too high or too low, it turns it on or off. If the humidity gets too high or too low, it turns it off. If it gets too high because the temperature is too high, it gets turned on and then uh, the humidity gets too low, it's still going to turn it off. So either one, it keeps my VPD kind of boxed in because uh, it can trigger 
both either fan for either temperature or humidity. So it's kind of a, a last to trigger it wins. Does that make sense? Oh, well, so let me ask you this. What is the cost of that unit? The cost of the unit? Yeah. Well, the weather station is, I think, 125 bucks-ish. Oh, is that the, like a subscription via internet? No. You have to, okay, I'm just, sorry. No, the, the, all that's free. It's you just the hardware. hardware you have to buy. You have hardware. Yeah, the hardware, okay. I think total was, I bought eight plugs, so it can, I'm using it to control my bedroom, fans, and my lights, and kind of uh, everything. So I have my light triggers. So if you guys have a light controller, like I have a 12 light controller, it has one, one 10 plug that it uses as a, what's called a trigger cord. So when that trigger cord gets power, it turns on all the lights on the, on that controller. Does that make sense? So yeah, I can plug in a smart plug for just the trigger light yeah. and then have it turn on all the grow lights at the same time. So instead of using a timer, I use a smart plug and an app. Well, that's like a photo. It's not the same, but like you're talking about like a photo cell. Yeah. Or it uh, acts like a photo cell because you didn't say. It's basically, it's like a timer. So yeah, it, it just replaces all the little timers that I used to have to right. go and set for my, that I can just change it on my phone or turn them on and off. Like the, the bedroom lights, I can... Uh, turn on and off um, as as I need to. They're even voice compatible, so I can tell Google to turn them on and off. <laughs> okay, here we go. Huh. Fancy, so fancy. That, so that's where the subscription and the computer comes into it. There's no subscription. Oh, oh no, you just buy it, and then you have a website you can go to or Google. Yep, just a one-time fee. So you just buy the hardware, and it, it's compatible. The, the platform is if this, then that. I, F, ifttt.com yep so the the weather sensors for temperature and humidity report to ifttt and the uh, smart plugs will respond to commands from ifttt so the weather station reports the temperature when it gets to a certain uh, temperature then it turns on the smart plug or turns it off and that turns the fan on or off okay so i don't think you ever told us what it cost yeah it costs 125 dollars for oh. the weather station and 25 dollars for four plugs i bought eight plugs so that's what it was what do you got there Steve? so it was 175 total to oh. do all my bedroom fans all my flower room fans, my light triggers in both rooms, the cloner, and the uh, pumps for both systems. That's not bad, 175. So you got a discount as you bought more. So be sure to be sure to look for aquaponic, aquaponic chronic live sugar in your local dispensary in Oklahoma. <laughs> nice. If you don't currently carry it. Be sure to tell them to request organic innovations. Um, we have some really nice live sugar. This stuff tastes incredible. So, yeah, really, really, really good. You say that was live resin? Yeah, it's live resin. It's basically live sugar. Nice. 
Yeah, it's fucking bomb. This is just my giant jar of BHO. <laughs> I love those aquaponic terps, man. We have a uh, another round. We're about we're gonna harvest next week or the week after, uh, depending on which plant. So you have some tenth planet that'll be out there on the market soon. Some Cindy ninety or uh, some chem dog, some sour diesel, some wedding cake, uh, and then we have a super fire cut of GMO. Um, what is it? GMO cookies, uh, GMO blackberry cookies. That's what it is. Oh my god, that stuff is ridiculous. So, you say blackberry cookies? That sounds good. Yeah, GMO cross the blackberry cookies. It is ridiculous. Interesting. I don't know. If I've ever had GMO. I've had forum cut. I've had the Larry Bird cut. I've had <laughs> the Larry Bird cut. Well, you you have you haven't heard of the Larry Bird cut? No, no, I know that Larry Bird's probably my favorite basketball player of all time, but that doesn't surprise me. Why? Because he's he like a Larry Bird kind of guy. Oh well, he just he basically was. <laughs> I'm just poking fun. <laughs> if uh, if you're in Oklahoma as well and you need clones, uh, we have significantly scaled up our clone production to support both our own stuff. We have a 22,000 square foot facility coming online in about 90 days that we are gearing up to be able to provide it clones for. And then we have an additional 14,000 clones that we've had to produce for ourselves for our own acreage. But we are also producing clones. If you're in Oklahoma, we have a bunch of amazing cuts. Uh, some of some came from all over the world and then some are some really good local cuts here, uh, all ready to go. So if you're looking, uh, you know, for some good cuts, definitely check us out over at Organic Innovations. Uh, if you are a licensed producer only. Uh, so um, anything else that you've been up to there, uh, Marty? Or I will start to wind down. No, actually just getting ready to take off, take another dab. Um, yeah, I haven't even shot any videos. I probably need to shoot an update video. I don't think I've shot one this week. So, uh, but definitely check out uh, my YouTube channel, uh, AP Meds, uh, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group. That's usually where <coughs> we hang out. Steve and I started that group long, long, I don't even know how many years ago now, probably five, six, probably five. Anyway. Uh, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook. It's getting bigger and bigger all the time. Thousands of people on there. Lots of uh, lots of good fun, good tips, good grows, inspiration, ideas, fun stuff like that. Um, and we, we try to keep it really positive. I know Steve and I have been super busy lately. Um, I started a new job. I have a new grow. Also putting in a greenhouse. Like there's just only so much time in the day. So if we missed somebody's spam. We're very sorry that you had to see it, but we will delete it eventually. Please stop inboxing. <laughs> yeah, we, we, um, we, Marty, I promise you, Marty and I both check it at least once a day. Like it might not be, you know, the right one you do, but Marty and I both do make it a point. And, and actually, Roger is a moderator on there as well under a different name. So, so um, you know, and we also have a, a couple of other moderators. So uh, we are looking to add one or two, but um, I know we have one or two people being the, pricks lately but we they were quickly removed within 24 hours but um uh you know just again if you do see something just message one of us and report it and it'll get taken care of swiftly 
Yeah, and I need yeah. To, I need to start making more of a presence there now that we're getting back into stuff and we're going to be building a new aquaponic system. And I do, you know, I, I follow a lot, uh, you know almost all the concepts of uh, Steve and Marty, and we all work together to make it better all the time. So I'm sorry I haven't been a lot of a presence, but I do keep up with you guys that are interested and try to let you in. You know, when I see that you uh, applied to be part of the um, group and yes marty and steve are always posting in that group and a lot of other great growers i see also posting that group so yeah i try to post uh updates to it all the time i'm always taking pictures anyway a big proponent of that it really helps you look back over and and for me it helps me remember when things yeah. happen and allows me to go back and and see oh when when did i put those in there oh yeah okay when when did i switch to flower oh right okay <laughs> You know, like, uh, how old is that plant? All oh, right. Okay. How long have I been vegging? Oh, let me see when I took the pictures. So it definitely, um, definitely helps for the, the record on that. And then also just to, uh, to show the progression of the plant as it goes through, I always think is uh, nice for people to see as you, you know, if you haven't grown before, uh, it can be nice to be able to compare what someone else's plants look like at the same stage. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're in week two, you don't want to compare somebody's to somebody's grow that's in week eight or nine. So, um, and sometimes I feel like that's all people post. So I always like to let people see it transition and have that up there. So you'll see lots of pictures up there. I'm plowing for the first time in like a year or so. Just uh, I apologize in advance for the large number of uh, bud porn that I post, but uh, it'll be okay. So thanks guys. I'll see you later. Thanks, buddy. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you? Yeah, AP Meds on YouTube, Patreon, uh, Instagram, all of those fun social medias. Uh so yeah, hit me up, message me. Um, like I said, Aquapon Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook, Probiotic Farmers Alliance. Shout out to Alan. Thanks for being on the show numerous times. Appreciate you. And yeah, just shooting new content. So stay stay tuned for outdoor fun and finishing up the indoor. Awesome. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, bud. What Don't about you, Rob? Wait yet. Wait till the end of the show. Damn it. What, what's up Never with you, Never get more to the end of the show, damn it. What, what, what's new with you and your garden? <clears throat> oh, we made, we've got a great new group of... Um, hardcore growers that are just loving it. I finally got people interested in my property and what I built years ago. Man, I'm extreme, I'm ex well, I'm not extreme, I'm ecstatic and I'm as happy as I've been in years because we've conquered many uh, obstacles this past week or so. We've got appointments to conquer many more in the next month or so. And we're not going to do a whole lot this year, but we're going to get a great, uh, we're going to get a, well, I can grow until New Year's and we're going to try to make it so that we can actually grow year round. Um, uh, it's just going to take a little extra work, but I think the motivation of the partnership is uh, really happening for our farm. And I, I like I was telling, the, we were talking before the show, I, I'm as happy as I've been in five years and we've just gone through a tumultuous few months with a personal you know um, family 
uh, medical issues and, and licensing issues and other things. But everything has turned. We kept having faith that would everything would go forward and we'd persevere in the end because we all had a common idea. And I'm lucky to have a bunch of great partners that aren't looking to make a shitload of money or any money this year, but we're going to grow food the rest of the year for our families. And then we're going to incorporate four or five different grow methods so that we can do testing and, and then just have fun with it. You know, everything from Google culture to dual root zone aquaponics and everything in between some hydro, some natural farm. Well, everything's going to be as much natural farming as we can do. So if we do, do root zone aquaponics, we'll be using natural farming in our top top zone and uh, or, or whatever. You, have you ever mentioned, uh, uh, have you ever uh, named the zone actually, Steve? I always struggle with that. Like the top zone, the bottom zone, the water zone, the soil zone is, I guess the soil zone, you know. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I should come up with names for them. Yeah, I always be. Yeah, I'm always going. Well, it's uh, the top layer, you know. So you got two zones. So zone one should probably be the. Well, you could argue zone one would be the aquaponics because it's aquaponics dual root zone. And so the but the, so layer two would be the higher up layer. But anyway, you know, who knows? Uh, but we're gonna have a lot of fun because I've got some younger guys that are very much into learning. Um, very much have the kind of um, drive and, and motivation to learn and be smarter about growing and doing it the right way and helping other people, much like Steve here is. Um, so I'm fortunate to have people that have seen, the, you know, I, my, my partner was a fan of the podcast way before I knew him. And somehow we live within an hour of each other. And so it's turned out to where we've got such a wide, diverse idea of what we want to do. And, and in some of it, what we're all doing, like I even I believe Steve and the guys out there in Oklahoma right now are doing the same thing. They've got, they inherited a bunch of different kind of grow systems and they're doing indoor and outdoor. And they're going to look and they're going to give us um, the dynamic and they're going to give us the, the 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 true measure of what they came up with after testing for this for the crops they grew in all these different systems and we're attempting to do that same kind of thing i think anybody that has an opportunity right now you can buy into one way and there's nothing wrong with that because when i started out i was taught figure out one way you want to do it figure out one crop you want to do it and then learn to grow that you know, and, and make it work, be successful at it. You know, of course, we all want to do more than just that, you know, so you, you'll have to look at your, so you have to dig inside. Just remember, the more complicated you make it, the harder it is going to be to perfect things. So if you're going to just do cannabis, just do cannabis, but that all that you can take from cannabis, you can add to your, um, your vegetables and fruit. Uh, because actually, I, well, I learned cannabis first, then I learned uh, fruit, and then I became a, a producer, you know, um, and I love it, and I, I love it. To, Steve, I, I'm going to hate it when you go back to Africa, because it feels like the old days, you know, like it feels like three years ago, man, you know.
Um, it does. It, it, like we're having so much fun the last couple of weeks. Uh, Chris dropped in last week and we had an awesome conversation with him. And yeah. Anyway, just a great team. I, I'm sorry I go on a rant, but sometimes I just okay. want to. I've been going through a hell, hell for six months and I finally come out of the back end of the tunnel and everything is going good for us here, I think, right now. And we're thinking positive. No, the depression is going away because we've got it. You know, I've just been, I'm, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I hate to use the word blessed, um, but that's how I feel right now. So for those cool. of you out there that understand that, I feel so blessed to have the friends I've got and the support I've got and the newfound support where my team is growing and I'm not even asking anybody anymore. People are volunteering and wanting to come out here. So I, again, I shout out to Ryan and Nate and Hal and your families, and we are going to build something here. We're going to have a community. So it's going to be great. Cool. All right. Well, um, you got, I've been working hard here at Organic Innovations, just trying to get our back five acres in and then get everything up to speed here and just, you know, increase production to the maximum capacity we can do, which has been a lot of fun. Um, we keep working here for quite a while. And uh, yeah, can't complain. Um, you can find more information. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe. Uh, you know, every time you like and subscribe to the show, it helps us expand our reach. Uh, you know, if you can tell somebody else about the show, please do. Uh, thanks again to uh, the Growcast and New Grows for uh, uh, having me on their show and helping us get the word out about all Okay. Well, the one time we'll uh we'll catch you guys later. You can find me at Potent Products, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, iHeartRadio, all the different places. And we'll be back again next week. Uh, we'll be doing one to two episodes a week until um I uh, get back into the swing of things. Spring planting, honestly, now through the middle of June, it's, it's probably going to be about one episode a week. So I'm I'm simply just too busy right now. So. But, uh, oh, yeah. Anyways, we'll take care, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Cheers.